So, hello and welcome to another episode of Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Chris Byrne, the Yorkshire Post political editor, and I'm joined today by Ed Davey, leader of the Liberal Democrats. Um, he's speaking to us today um, as the party's conference takes place this weekend. Um, there's lots I hope to discuss with him today, um, so let's get started. So, hi Ed, how are you? I'm very well, good to talk to you. Yes, good to talk to you too. So, very important first question I've got here. Um, you were knighted in 2016 for political service. So, is it Ed or is it Sir Ed? How do you prefer to be referred to? <laughs> well, um, I'm obviously very proud of the knighthood because it was about the work I did on climate change and um, massively increasing renewable power, including in Yorkshire um, and the Humber side. But um, uh, I, I go by Ed for interviews like this. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll, I'll call you Ed rather than Sir Ed then. So um, we've heard lots of talk recently about sort of Lib Dems' plans to target what, what's being labelled the Tory blue wall in the south of England. But what are your ambitions to kind of recapture a bit of ground in the north? At the moment, obviously, the Lib Dems haven't got any seats at all in Yorkshire and the Humber. Well, I don't think the Liberal Democrats will have fully recovered until we've recovered our ground in Yorkshire and indeed across the north in general. Um, but I think we can do that, um, building on some real good strength at local government. You know, we lead in the city of York um, with the official opposition in areas like Sheffield, Harrogate, Hull, Barnsley, East Riding. We've got strong groups in Lees and Kirklees. So, you know, we still have a very good, strong government, local government base uh, across the north and in Yorkshire. Um, and we made gains at the local elections in, in Sheffield and, and Hull and so on. So um, I'm feeling that we are getting back uh, in Yorkshire and north. Um, but clearly, at parliamentary level, that's going to be a, a big test. And I think we can do it. We can win uh, a seat off Labour in Sheffield Hallam. I'm, I'm, I'm clear that that is definitely in our sights. And a seat like Harrogate and Knaresborough, which Phil Willis used to represent, and um, you know our candidate there, Judith Rogerson, did a really good job at the last election, increasing our share of the vote by by twelve percent. So um, we've got target parliamentary seats as well as good local government representation in Yorkshire. So is, is Harrogate sort of one of the top priority seats? I know that was that was a seat that. You did come second in, but it was quite a large Conservative majority, about 9,000 at the last election. So is it a realistic proposition that you could win win somewhere like Harrogate back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got 36% of the vote. And um, uh, I, I think the Conservatives are losing a lot of support um, across the country. And, you know, if you look at their recent decision to break their election promise on uh, national insurance, raising national insurance. If you look at their broken promise on uh, overseas aid, if you look on their broken promise on triple locks for pensioners, a whole range of different things where they're doing exactly what they said they wouldn't do. And while they try to make out this is all to do with the pandemic, um, there was no small print, right? They guaranteed this. And if it was to do with the pandemic, these changes would be temporary. And the national insurance rise against their manifesto promise is permanent. So Quite a lot of Tories we're finding, and not just in the so-called blue wall seats in the south, but in seats you know, like Harrogate, um, are pretty fed up. And this gives us a huge chance to come back and win back seats that we've held. I mean, we held Harrogate and Nesborough with Phil Willis. We'll hold it again. Uh, and what is, what is your offer then to Northern voters? 
Well, um, I think a, a range of different things that we uh, will major on. I mean, I've been talking about a fairer, greener, more caring country, and that absolutely applies in Yorkshire. You know, the the the, the fairer approach. Let, let let's link that to to small business, for example. We've had a really p- a bad deal from this government. Small business, medium sized businesses, entrepreneurs, self employed um, have been forgotten in many areas. Um, We've been campaigning for the three million self-employed and small business people who got no help whatsoever during um, the pandemic, um, and we feel their voice needs to be heard. So, a fairer um, country. We, we want a greener one as well. Um, you know, I'm very proud of the Liberal Democrat record in local and national government. It's the best record of any party in British politics. Um, and whether it's bringing, you know, offshore wind factories to to Hull, or you, you're looking at. Um, the green jobs are available across Yorkshire in the north. Um, that's what we want to build on. And we're far more radical in terms of our approach than that than the Conservatives. And a more caring um, uh, offer, a more caring fair deal. Um, I've been a carer most of my life. Uh, I was a young carer, care for my gran, and now I care for my disabled son. And I had wanted a reform of social care, um, and the government haven't delivered it. And um, not only have they not delivered it, but they have raised taxes in the way that they said they wouldn't. So um, I want to fight for a, uh, a proper package which will deliver the social care that people desperately need for their loved ones, um, whether it's getting more care workers for our care homes and to go and help in people's homes or looking after the unpaid carers, the millions of unpaid carers who always get forgotten. And I'm determined the Liberal Democrats will be their voice. So I was going to actually ask you about that because at the at the Liberal Democrat conference last year, um, one of the things you said in your first speech as leader was your determination to be the voice of, of 9 million carers. How, you know, 12 months down the line, how do you feel that that's getting on in terms of meeting that ambition and speaking out for unpaid carers? Do you think you're getting, you know, cut through on that issue? I'm certainly raising it all the time. Um, I think uh, most of my questions to Prime Minister, and bear in mind, I only get one every five weeks uh, <laughs> under the rules, but uh, almost all of my questions to Prime Minister have been around care. I've been pressing for a, a rise in carers allowance. You know, when they raised universal credit by £1,000 a year, 20 quid a week, um, they forgot to raise carers allowance. And that was just outrageous. So I've been campaigning on that with Carers Trust, with many people. I've raised it with the Prime Minister. Um, I've certainly got cut through with carers. Um, The Prime Minister has been, frankly, uh, outrageous in his failure to respond. We've been raising the issue for more breaks for carers because if you look at carers have had some of the worst times during uh, these lockdowns and the pandemic. They've been worried about their people they're looking after who who are vulnerable. They've had support withdrawn from them. Um, and it's been a highly stressful uh, task, and they've not had that those breaks. So we've been arguing for those breaks. Government have failed to provide them. So we've been working hard, and I've been talking to carers' organisations and to carers, all different types, young carers, older carers, carers looking after parents, carers looking after uh, disabled uh, adults who are their, who are their offspring, um, to get a real feel for what people are going through, um, and I'm determined that, you know, the progress we've made in raising their arguments in the last 12 months, we build on that. And um, the fact that the Prime Minister has 
put forward a package to reform social care which fails to do that is another way that we, the Liberal Democrats, will raise the voice of carers. Can I ask them, picking up on that, what for you would be kind of the one the one headline measure? I know it's maybe not as simple as one measure, obviously, but what would be kind of the key thing that could actually make a difference to unpaid carers and by extension the social care system? Yeah, well, it, it isn't one measure um, because carers come in very different sizes. When you've got 9 million unpaid carers, mm. not surprisingly, they've got various different needs. So to some, it's... It's financial support, uh, and the carer's allowance is the main way that you would do that. And we've argued for both increasing the overall amount and increasing those people who can apply for it and are eligible for it. We've talked about changing employment law so that it's easier for people to manage their caring responsibilities with employment. And actually got a really good response from employers on that, that, that you know, good employers really want to see this happen. And it would be a real win-win for everybody because – There'd be quite a lot of carers who'd be able to go back um, into the labour market. So uh, a better approach on employment law and this issue of breaks for carers is is big. I think going beyond that, um, I think we need to see um, the role of unpaid carers in a completely different light. And if we want to improve social care, if we want to improve the health of our country, we've got to support um, unpaid carers more. There's quite a lot of evidence that their mental health is um, has really been hit by um, not actually before the pandemic, um, and that's a risk. You know, unpaid carers save the taxpayer nearly two hundred billion pounds a year. So by investing in these amazing people, it's actually incredibly good value for money, and therefore it needs a complete change of culture uh, in the health service, in local authorities, and the government show no sign of tackling that at all. How how can you, as kind of the third party in British politics, how can you make the government listen? How can you kind of make the case for, for changes? Well, I mean, let me give you two examples where we've just changed the government's mind. Um, we led the campaign against COVID ID cards. Uh, the government was putting forward legislation, we said it was going to go forward. We've led the parliamentary campaign on that. We had an urgent question, which was Liberal Democrat asked to Carmichael last week, and the government now changed their minds. I mean, that's pretty big stuff, right? And mm. if you look at when we we campaigned in the Chesham and Amersham uh, party by-election, when we beat the Conservatives, no one thought we were going to. We beat the Conservatives, as I think we can, can do uh, even more. Um, and we fought that campaign against their planning reforms, their planning white papers, which is going to take the voice away from communities. The, every single village, town and city in Yorkshire would have been hit by these planning reforms. Liberal Democrats have led the campaign against them and the government look like they're backing down. So there's two examples on Mm. massive policy areas where even with just 12 MPs, we've made a difference. And when you get to local level and you see the amount of community campaigning we we, we do, you can see the difference we make. I mean, uh, I was just recently in York uh, and met Keith Asperton, the uh, the uh, York City Council leader, City of York Council leader. Really impressed by what they're doing, both for, for business and regeneration, but also particularly the environment. An amazing, strong record of the environment. And that's what Liberal Democrats do. So, you know, uh, uh, can we make a difference? We already are making a difference at local and national level. And my argument is... As we recover, including in Yorkshire and the North, not just the Blue Wall seats, but including Yorkshire and North, 
um, we'll be able to do far more of that. And frankly, this conservative government, um, I think, is in is in chaos. Um, and I, I think they, they're very beatable, as we showed in Cheshire and Amersham. So we've talked a, few, a, a little bit about climate change as an issue. Yeah. Um, and you were previously climate change secretary for the coalition government. Um, so we've obviously got COP26 coming up, well, less than 50 days away now. So what, where do you think the government should be aiming for? What, what should the UK be hoping to get out of hosting COP? Well, there's always two issues to the climate change debate. One is showing that you're do, you're taking real action in your country. So you're giving leadership saying, well, we're not just preaching about it, we're doing it. And the other is working internationally because we can't solve climate change by ourselves. Now, on the first part, I'm afraid the government's a disaster. I mean, it's not built on the success that Liberal Democrats had. When we did the quadrupled renewable power, we made Britain the world leader in offshore wind and change the debate. The Conservatives are now even considering a new coal mine. They're allowing the remaining coal power stations to stay on the bar, stay in the system. Um, they've caved in in negotiations with Australia about making climate change an issue in trade policy, which of course it should be. So they're going in really weak uh, and, and really not being able to show the sorts of ambitious things that the Liberal Democrats are arguing for, for our domestic climate change agenda, that makes them weak. Internationally, they're really weak because they failed to build the coalitions. You know, he's, you know, obviously, Brexit hasn't helped in terms of um, winning support in Europe. But more significantly, the cuts in foreign aid have gone down extraordinarily badly in, you know, huge numbers of countries, which normally we would work with and who would be sympathetic to Britain. And we've annoyed them dramatically just in the year that we're hosting COP. And you add to that um, the, the deterioration in the relationship with the United States, um, because I think Boris Johnson is not Joe Biden's favorite person um, for the stance he's taken, for example, in Northern Ireland. And that, that international coalition that you need uh, is really important. And final point I make is if you really want to show international leadership, we have something we could do, which I've been arguing about, which will make a big difference. And it's in the City of London. The City of London doesn't just, rep doesn't just raise capital for investment in renewable projects in the UK. And that's great. What it does do is it raises lots of money for the fossil fuel industry around the whole world. There was estimates suggesting that 15 to 20% of global coal capital was raised in London. Now, if we change the rules, as I've been arguing, on the London Stock Exchange, for the banks, for the financial markets, we could not only improve and fast-track the way the UK tackles climate change, but we could fast-track the way the rest of the world does and show leadership to you know, the, the markets, financial markets in New York, in Tokyo, and so on. So we have a huge opportunity, and this government just isn't taking it. I mean, the, the problem is the Conservatives are actually still at war on climate. They've got a lot of climate deniers in their party. They've got quite a number of people who don't think we need to take action quickly enough. And that, I think, um, is the truth about the Conservatives. They don't, they're not really taking the bold action that we know is needed for climate. Can I ask you something about your own personal record on on climate change, which was you were, when you were in government, a supporter of fracking, um, the, the industry. Obviously, the government's position on fracking has now changed. 
Um, do you still support fracking? No. And in government, what I did is I passed a regulation that made fracking difficult because I was making sure the environmental concerns were taken in by the law. And as a result of the a regulation that I passed, fracking has not happened in this country. So um, I was never pro-fracking. What I did was ensure that the regulations were tough. And boy, have they proven tough because yeah. it's not fracking. And, um, you know, the real record is the quadrupling, near quadrupling of renewable power, having been fought by the Conservatives every step of the way. Um, the policies we put in, which have made Britain the world leader in offshore wind, that have brought green jobs to places like Hull and Grimsby and indeed across uh, Yorkshire. So the Liberal Democrat record on energy and climate, I think, is a very proud one. Mm. Um, and it's one of success. And it stands in stark con contrast to the weak, ineffectual and, frankly, pathetic leadership of the Prime Minister on climate. So I've just got two more things to ask you. So thanks so much for your time. So the first, just building on what you've said about your record in government, before the Climate Change Secretary, you were post Postal Affairs Minister. And obviously, we've seen the sub-postmaster sub scandal come to light in recent years where dozens um, of people wrongly convicted after being blamed for computer accounting errors. Um, now, the Times reported relatively recently that you were written to by the Justice for Sub-Postmasters Group in 2010 about this issue and that you replied saying the post office continues to express full confidence in the integrity and robustness of the horizon system. So can I ask you, do you regret not doing more on that issue? Well, I wish we'd all done more on it. I mean, um, this issue began, as you will know, I think back in 1999. Um, and when I came to office, it had been kicked around by ministers for, for over a decade. And I guess other ministers, both Labour and Conservative, had um, relied on the advice of the post office, of the senior manager at the post office. And, uh, you know, we asked real questions. Um, and I wish um, maybe we'd asked more. Uh, the post office clearly should be more transparent with ministers. And there are definitely questions that they should answer. It's why I've supported a public inquiry into the scandal. Um, I think a public inquiry is the right thing. So we can do all we can to ensure the injustices like this don't happen again. Um, you know, with hindsight, I wish I could have done more during my 19 months as post office minister. Um, I'm sure all the other post office ministers over this 20 year period wish they'd have done more. Hmm. And just a final question. Um, obviously, um, former Liberal Democrat MP and Sheffield Hallam, former Democrat leader rather, and former Sheffield Hallam um, MP, Nick Clegg, uh, has now got himself a presumably rather lucrative gig with with Facebook. Um, what do you what do you make of um, Nick Clegg's new new role in life? And have you got any plans? I don't know to be working for TikTok or someone in a few years. Or my plans are to continue to lead the Liberal Democrats, so we can argue for a fairer, greener, more caring country. That we can get the political reforms. That we can beat the Conservatives in uh, the very many seats we can, that we can take back the councils like Sheffield, Winshuffle, Hallam. That's what I'm focused in on. Um, and, you know, I think the country needs a strong Liberal Democrat voice. Um, I think this Conservative government is not only just breaking its promises left, right and centre, but it's presiding over chaos. 
Um, I think it's completely handled the pandemic very badly. The crisis in our care homes, the number of people who, who've died in our care homes is a national disgrace. I think Boris Johnson uh, is, you know, fiddling while Rome burns with all the economic problems we've got, um, uh, the people that many businesses are facing, and he's just not listening. And we need a, a business-friendly party to make the arguments for the the future, the green growth that I know we can deliver, as well as this uh, belief I have that we can have a fairer, greener, more caring country. So you're not getting your application into Instagram yet or anything like that, following Nick's footsteps? Well, um, I, I did. Uh, I was outside Parliament for two years, and what I did was work in renewable energy and supporting green technology. That has been my passion mm. uh, since before I became even a Liberal Democrat. Um, you know, if you you cut me uh, in half, you'd see the environment uh, as a big part of who I am. And um, I'm determined that whether I'm in politics or out of politics, I'll be campaigning to protect our precious environment, whether it's on the, the biodiversity and nature agenda directly or, or the climate agenda. Ed Davey, thank you so, so much for your time. Really appreciate it and uh, fantastic to speak to you. A fantastic insight. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pod's Own Country. If you have any topics you think we should be covering or any stories you think we should be digging into, please get in touch with me um, via email, chris.burn at jpimedia.co.uk. Um, speak next week.